This is Daf Lamed Bet in Masechet Megillah, the final Daf of the Masechet. We are beginning on Daf Lamed Aleph Amud Bet, eight lines from the bottom of the Amud, where it says, Tanya, we learned in a bite of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Omer. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar said, If the elders tell you to destroy, but the young people, the children, tell you to build, destroy and don't build. Because the destruction of the elders is building, and the building of the young people is destruction. And a sign of this is Rechavam ben Shalomo. That's the story from the beginning of the book of Melachim, where Rechavam, who was the son of Shalomo, was advised by the elders to take a more lenient approach with the people when he first assumed the position of king so that he would endear himself to the people, and then afterwards to become stricter with them. And the young people told him to take a harsh approach right out of the, uh, you know, meaning right out of the gate, and basically to, uh, uh, to be very authoritarian and uh, to show people who's boss, and that that was the right way to go. And he listened to the young people, and of course that ended up being a disaster, splitting the kingdom and so on. People rebelled against him. And so we learn from that that young people, oftentimes, even what they think is constructive could be destructive. And sometimes what looks like a destructive thing, if it's coming from elders, it's coming from their experience and their understanding that it's actually uh, for a good purpose. According to Rabbi Meir, the, in, the entire... Uh, week is um, one long Torah reading, starting from Minchav Shabbat. So we read the first Aliyah, so to speak, in the Minchav Shabbat uh, afternoon. And then on Monday, we read the next part. And then on Thursday, we read the third part. And then we start from the fourth part on Shabbat. In other words, the entire week is one long Torah reading that extends from Mincha of the, of the Shabbat, previous Shabbat, until the upcoming Shabbat, Rabbi Yehuda, Shabbat Shachrit, no, says Rabbi Yehuda, wherever you finished on Shabbat morning, that's where you read the Aliyah of, uh, at Mincha of Shabbat afternoon, and Ubusheni Ubuchamishi, also on Monday and Thursday, you read the same thing, and that's where you start on the coming Shabbat, which is exactly how we do it. In other words, wherever we, whatever we finished on Shabbat morning, that's where we, wherever we left off, that's where we begin on Shabbat afternoon. We read one Aliyah on the Shabbat afternoon, and we read the same thing Monday and Thursday, and we read the same thing on Shabbat as well, except that we continue till we finish the parasha. And Amar Rabbi Zerah Rabbi Zerah said, Halacha, the halacha is, that the halacha is that wherever we ended on Shabbat morning, that's what, where we read for Shabbat afternoon, Monday and Thursday, and that's where we start on the upcoming Shabbat. Why didn't he just come out and say the halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda? Why did he have to say, repeat what Rabbi Yehuda said? The answer is, because there were some people who attributed the position of Rabbi Meir to Rabbi Yehuda and the position of Rabbi Yehuda to Rabbi Meir, so you would get confused if he just mentioned the attribution. It said he wanted to mention what the halacha was. Rabbi Meir says, when you get an aliyah, what you do is you open up, you look at the spot where the reader is going to read, you close the Sefer Torah, you say the Bacha, you open it again, read, that's Rabbi Meir's position. Rabbi Yehuda says, you open the Sefer Torah, you look at the place, you say the Bacha and you read. So you don't close the Sefer Torah at the time that you're saying the Bacha, according to Rabbi Yehuda, which is a very commonly misunderstood matter. Nowadays, you see a lot of people who close the Sefer Torah when they say the Bacha after looking at the spot. That's not really correct. The correct way is like what Rabbi Yehuda says, that you leave it open. My time, what's the reason of Rabbi Meir? It's like what Ula said in another context. Amar Ulam, Omer, Amru, 
Why did they say Why did they say that the person who's reading the Torah should not assist the translator of the Torah? Because back then, remember that they had a Torah reader reading in Hebrew and they had a translator who was translating everything into Aramaic. Because if they heard the Baal Koreh who was reading the Torah assisting the translator, they would think that the, the translation was also written in the Torah. So Rabbi Meir said, according to the same logic, we shouldn't have the Sefer Torah open when you are saying the Bachot because people might think the Bachot are written in the Torah too. Rabbi Yudah says, look, there's a difference. Targum is a text. People might actually think that it's written in the Torah, but the Bachot, everybody knows, are not written in the Torah, so you don't have to worry about having the Sefer Torah open when you read the Bachot. Of course, when you conclude the Aliyah, you close the Sefer Torah before saying the closing Bachot. That is the correct way to do it. Another thing many people don't do. A lot of people make the mistake that they close the Sefer Torah when they're saying the beginning Bachot, and then they leave the Sefer Torah open at the end of their Aliyah when they're saying the closing Bachot. It's exactly the opposite. The person should leave the Sefer Torah open when they say the opening Bachot, and after the Torah reading is concluded before they say Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet that closing Bachad they should close the Sefer Torah. Amar Rabbi Zera Rabbi Zera said Amar Rav Matan Adinim Rav Matan Halacha Potef Oem Vrech VeKorei the Halacha is open the Sefer Torah look at the place say the Bachan read Vleim Halacha Rabbi Yudah Why didn't he just say the Halacha follows Rabbi Yudah Mishum Tapchelu Because there are some people again who mix around the attributions and attribute the position of Rabbi Meir to Rabbi Yehuda and vice versa. Amar Rabbi Zera Amar Rav Matan Halachot VaBimod En Ben Bishum Kedusha The Luchot which is the the uh, literally means the tablets and the Bimot the stands don't have any Kedusha. Rashi says the Bimot here is referring to the stand that they, that they would construct for the king to read every, uh, every Sukkot following Shemitah, which would be actually the Sukkot coming up next year. The king would read from a Sefer Torah in a big mitzvah called Hakel. That stand, Rashi says, doesn't have any Kedusha. Um, that's how he interprets it. He says he doesn't know what the Luchot are, actually. He's not sure what the Luchot are. Uh, the Ran says that the Bimot and the Luchot here are not talking about a stand that we stand on, but it's actually talking about different implements that were used to prop up the Sefer Torah for the reading. And since they were only used temporarily and for a few, you know, not, that, that was not their fixed use, so therefore they did not acquire any Kedushah from that. Amarav Shefatia, Amarav Yochanan, Agolel Sefer Torah, Tefer. When a person rolls the Sefer Torah, he should make sure that the seam of the the seam of two columns is in the middle. Uh, she says that the reason why we want to make sure that the seam is in the middle is uh, that will tighten it the best. According to the Rif, the reason is because that prevents tearing uh, when you make sure that the seam is centered in the middle. That prevents it from tearing, being pulled too much in one direction or the other. A person who rolls the Sefer Torah should roll it from the outside, not from the inside. Now Rashi interprets this as referring to a person who's rolling a Sefer Torah on their lap. So since he's hold, he has to hold both sides, he should roll inward towards himself, meaning from out to in. Because if he rolls from in to out, if he takes the, the side that is towards him and he tries rolling forward towards the outer side, it, will, it might come, come loose and fall onto the ground. So therefore, he says you should, he should reach for what is a further away from him and roll inward towards himself. And when he's tightening it, he should tighten it from the inside uh, and, uh, and not from the outside. So Rashi says, what does that mean when he tightens it? So as it means that that means that what he should do is when he finally wants to tighten it, he should grab the inner column. In other words, when it's finally rolled enough and he just wants to tighten it, he should tighten using the part, using the amud, using the side or the, uh, <clears throat> the, roll, the side of the roller that's closer to himself because now he doesn't need to worry about it falling off his lap because it's not loose anymore. He just wants to give it a final tightening uh, because this way he doesn't stretch his arms over the text. He keeps his arms towards himself. He grabs the part of the Sefer Torah that's closest to him to do the tightening. That's how Rashi interprets it. According to the Ran, there's something else going on here. It's talking about when we roll the Sefer Torah 
after having read it, that the person who is rolling it and fixing it up uh, while it's being held by someone else, more like in the style of the Ashkenazim, that they have a glila after the, after the reading of the Sefer Torah, that they, it's not on a table, somebody's holding it. So, the, uh, so it should be facing, text should be facing the person who is rolling it and tightening it. But what, that's what it means, but when, it's, when it is being uh, closed up, when they're actually putting the final, uh, uh, when they're tying it up, that should be done with it facing the person that's sitting down who's holding a Sefer Torah, because basically the rule is whoever's working with it, the text should be facing them, not facing, the, it's back to them. Uh, this is a benefit, number one, because it's more respectful, and also because if you tie it with the tie behind the Sefer Torah, so to speak, then what ends up happening is that when you untie it, you have to turn it upside down in order to untie it, and that's disrespectful. We'd rather have it facing upwards, so we make sure that the knot is facing upwards, meaning it's on the side of the text and not on the back. Um, if 10 people read the Torah, the greatest of them should do the glila, should roll the Sefer Torah, the person who rolls it gets the reward of everyone. As Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi said, when 10 people read from the Torah, the person who rolls the Torah receives the, uh, the reward of everyone. Could it really be true that he receives everyone? What it means is that he gets reward that is the equivalent of everyone. In other words, everyone who read um, all of their reward, he gets the equivalent of it just from rolling it and showing the proper respect to the Sefer Torah. Um, How do we know, says Rabbi Shafatian, the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that we're allowed to rely on a batkol, we're allowed to rely on a divine voice that gives us some kind of a hint of what to do, even though, and it's not considered nichush, it's not considered superstition. You will hear a word from behind you saying, this is the way, go in it. Um, so you see that there's a precedent for that kind of thing. But that's only only if you hear the voice of a man in the city, or you hear a, the voice of a woman out in the field. And only if it's saying yes, yes, or no, no. In other words, it's telling you a very simple instruction twice, which implies that it is a bat kol that's instructing you to do something. Anybody who learns without sweet, who reads without sweetness, um, and and studies without song about him, the Pasuk says, I have given them laws that are not good. So the question is, why was it so uh, meaning? Because he's, he's not making it beautiful. Rashi says, Neima, reading with Neima means with the Tamea Mikra, with the proper cantillation notes. And as Tosafot mentions, Shoneh Belozimrad, they would also read the Mishnah with a tune to help them remember it. So, uh, which is a common thing amongst Faradim nowadays as well, that they have that, the, the Syrians and the Moroccans, the, they have their respective uh, uh, tunes for Mishnah. Matzkif la Rabbi Abay says, Mishum because he doesn't know how to sing, Mishpatim lo yichriu bahem, you're going to apply this pasuk that says, I've given them bad laws, that are, that laws that are not good, that they will not live by because they don't know how to sing. Rather, it's like God of Mishashiyaseh. 
mean take it literally, that it means holding a sefer Torah while, while unclothed. Salkadat, are you really saying he's going to be buried uh, naked? How could that be? It means he will be without any mitzvot. He will be naked of mitzvot. Below mitzvot, salkadat. Are you telling me he's going to have no mitzvot just because he did this one thing wrong? Rather, what Abaye means is he'll be buried without that mitzvah. He doesn't get the mitzvah of holding a sefer Torah, rolling it, or lifting it, or whatever he was doing because he. Um, and because he uh, did it in a disrespectful way, holding it with his bare hands, according to Rashi, or holding it naked, as uh, other Rishonim interpret. Now the Tosfot here says, the question that it, he says that people assume that it means the mitzvah of holding a sefer Torah, but he says, v'kashem, arabuta, that's, uh, so obviously, if you do a mitzvah wrong, why would you get credit for it? So what's the chidush of saying he loses out on that mitzvah if in fact he didn't do the mitzvah properly because he held it with his bare hands or because he held it unclothed? So why should it be a chidush that he doesn't get any reward? So Riva says, Peresh Riva, below ota mitzvah sha'asa, beota sha'a, shimachaz sefer Torah, he says what it means is whatever mitzvah does afterwards in connection with that holding, such as reading from it or rolling it or so on, that's the mitzvah that he loses out on. In other words, even though the holding of it itself uh, since is, is separate from the other mitzvah that he does with it, since the holding that he did as a preparation for that mitzvah, as part of that mitzvah, was uh, not done properly, so therefore the mitzvah that came afterwards is also not credited to him. But if he holds it with mitpachat, if he holds it with a, with a, a cloth, then we say, long life is in his right hand, and wealth and honor in his left hand. Um, the Gemara goes on, Amar Rabbi Anai, B'reidu Rabbi Anai Sabah, Rabbi Anai, the son of the elder Rabbi Anai, said, Mishmei to Rabbi Anai Rabbah. And then of Rabbi Anai the Great. Mutav tigalela mitpachat, vayigalela sefer Torah. Better to roll the, uh, the mitpachat. In other words, if they have a cloth that is wrapped around the sefer Torah, you should move the wrapping around the sefer Torah. Don't roll the sefer Torah into the wrapping. Roll the wrapping around the sefer Torah. It's more respectful. Vayigdeber Mosheh, Mordei Hashem, Bnei Yisrael. Mitzvatan shukurin otan kol echad v'echad bizmano. That uh, it says, Moshe said, the holidays of Hashem to Bnei Yisrael, which tells you that it's a mitzvah to read about each one in its proper time. This is where we get the idea that we have a Kriyat Torah that is uh, on the theme of every holiday on that holiday. Moshe Rabbeinu established for the Jewish people that they should be sholin v'dorshin, they should be asking questions and giving lectures on the topic of each particular day as well, the laws of Pesach on Pesach, laws of Shavuot on Shavuot, laws of Sukkot on Sukkot. Rashi here says, because uh, why did it have to say, Vaidabir Moshe, that Moshe spoke? He, it doesn't tell you about other mitzvot that Moshe was commanded to convey to the Jewish people that he spoke about them. Why does it have to tell you that? It tells you that here because he wanted you to know that to teach you to tell you that every halacha of the particular holiday he spoke about it at its proper time to make known to them the laws of Hashem and His instructions and, uh, and uh, some have uschar amitzvot, the reward of the mitzvot, mitzvot and that such as the Jewish people receive, uh, accept upon themselves and fulfill the mitzvot and, and, and affirm the reward of the mitzvot in this world and in the next world. So that is the, uh, uh, and, and that's the uh, conclusion. Although as I had mentioned, there are many versions of the Gemara um, manuscripts that have this as actually the third parak and not the fourth, including the Rif himself, who has it as the third parak and not the fourth. And uh, one of the questions that's raised on this last uh, this last halacha 
is we already know that um, we already know that uh, uh, that there's a halacha of, for example, learning the halachot of Pesach thirty days before the holiday. So why is it that, uh, that such a chidush? What is the difference between that halacha that we that we've already learned and the halacha of learning on the day itself? Uh, one of the classic answers that's given is that um, I believe it's in the name of the Ran is that. On the day of Pesach itself, it's a mitzvah, or on the day of the Chag itself, it's a mitzvah to speak about the holiday, whether somebody has a question or not. You have shigurim on the, on the themes of the Chagim and so on to enhance the experience of the Chagim. 30 days before the holiday, um, what it means is that anybody who asks a question related to the holiday, it's considered a question le'inyan. It's considered to be on topic. It's considered to be a relevant subject. It's not considered to be changing a subject, and it should be answered in the Beit Midrash. But it's not necessarily an obligation to have shiurim about the halachot of the Chag 30 days before the Chag. That's one explanation. Others say that the explanation is, is there, there, others offer uh, alternatives. But Bezrat uh, Hashem, we should be prepared now to begin the new Masechet, Masechet Moed Katan, Bishah Tova Umutzlachat tomorrow.